When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello and welcome to the AEW Collision Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to review everything that happened on this weekend's episode of AEW Collision. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Collision, but also AEW Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2.0. Oh! Pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a very good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, they're joined by Michael Sidgwick to review AEW Collision, a show that I think it's fair to say went in with a lot of hype. Did it deliver for you? Not quite. I'd be lying if I said that this show was as good as I thought it was going to be going into it. This episode of Collision, I really, 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 really liked without Mm. loving. And I think that has been my consensus feeling around the show overall. There are elements of the show that I love, Mm. that I hope um, remain in place, that I really admire them for doing in order to differentiate it from Dynamite. And I think that's broadly maybe consensus. Um, I don't want to speak for other people, but certainly the mood I've detected is I really like some of the ideas that they are trying to implement. Maybe it needs a little bit more spice, punch, something. There's something a little bit missing, and I can't really work out yet what it is. But I do like a lot of the ideas. Um, There were things on this show that I thought were very, very, very good. I think on the little guy on the match that people are raving about, but we'll get into why imminently. But in general, um, again, without Punk, this show, this soft roster split is working and it isn't. Mm. I can never really make my mind up on Collision. It's obviously very, very good. Every episode's been very, very good with some just mid-filler in it as well, to be quite uh, blunt. But maybe it'll take some getting used to. Maybe it's maybe I like the idea of the things they are doing rather than what they are actually doing. Mm-hmm. I know it's hard to make my mind up. Can we talk about these Saturday Night main, main Event style intros? Yes. Again, I love the idea. I think the execution's weird. Here's a question, right? I haven't asked you this beforehand. I think you've probably mentioned it, though, in the past when we've sat here and talked about just AW generally. Is AW a victim of its own success? I.e., in a world where maybe Rampage still exists, mm. uh, but AW Dynamite doesn't, do you think we'd be raving about this more just purely because it's different from them over there? Potentially. I've made this point in the past. Like, yes, AEW has declined creatively. Yes, it's no longer a white-hot ticket in a hot crowd every single week. Yes, um, it doesn't have that same vibe. It doesn't have that same, oh, I can't wait for Dynamite this week. I think that it's as much a result of creative decline. We've seen a lot of recycled ideas. Um, the book in it, various points, particularly with this BCC versus Elite um, feud, uh, it feels like it's not self-parody, but it feels way too intricate and subplot-heavy and deft and dovetailing for its own good. Um, But I do try and keep perspective quite often of, yes, it's not what it was, but my God, in isolation, I'd be crying out for these shows like four years ago. Yes. there's a standard now that's been set, mm. and I don't think they are maintaining it. What would the Sidgebet bookmakers be offering in terms of odds for, because he talked about it over the weekend, and he reported on it yesterday, I believe, on 
CM Punk being involved in Blood and Guts? The space for an extra man. I would put no money on it whatsoever. No. Bear in mind that every weekend across a Premier League season, <laughs> I'll put a fiver in a month on my Sky Bet app and I will do an accumulator. Yeah. And in my daft head, I convince myself, well, that result looks like it's fairly, you know, feasible. I'll put a draw there when you'd expect a home win just to bump up the yeah, odds and yeah. accumulate them. And the more I do it, I get tricked every single time. In isolation, that result might go that way. It never works like that. And the more you put on, the less likely it is. Mm. So I will put on genuinely 6,001 accumulators <laughs> on like six or seven or eight games with way more draws across leagues than you're likely to get thinking. It's not out of the realms of possibility that that one would happen. Every so, game starts as a draw. Indeed. And ultimately, right, I put on 6,001 bets every single week <laughs> for a quid under the belief that I lose nothing. It's a yeah. quid. It's a bit of fun. Get a bit more of an emotional attachment to the results. And I think that putting a pound on CM Punk doing blood and guts will be a waste of money. Wow. I put 6,001 bets on every single week when the Premier League season is in full swing, and I would not bet on this. Uh, right, let's get into it then, because uh, Collision, yeah, like you say, opened with the the semi finalists talking up their matches. Uh, Ricky Starks only deals in absolutes. Uh, Hobbs says it's the end of line for you, Ricky Starks. Joe says history's going to repeat itself. I think Punk says he doesn't make the st- same mistake twice. This is Punk Joe four, isn't it? Singles, mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's Joe versus Punk five. They had a match. I think it was in Coventry, Coventry or Doncaster, oh. for whatever reason in the. 2000s before the Brit Res boom in those two buildings, in those two towns, you could draw a crowd. And they didn't really have a famous match at all. Um, but yeah, on these Saturday night main event intros, right, this is another little sprinkle that different, differentiates the show um, from Dynamite. It's a nice little cool, here's what we're doing, mm-hmm. here's what's on the show, tiny little snapshot. I think the execution of these is flat. And again, I like the idea. It's something different. Very much, you know, inspiration on its sleeve. None of the wrestlers who cut these promos seem like really fired up. Yeah. It feels obligatory. Like, oh, this is a cool idea to do. And it feels like they've yanked, for example, Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs pretty much as soon as they get in the building, right, before you start setting up your matches together or before you, you know, you eat or you do whatever it is before you do your show, do your performance. Come and just grab you for 10 seconds and just do one take. They never seem like that fired up. It's yeah. almost like flat delivery. I think the joy of that certain things fueled those promos back in the day, shall we? Yes. And that energy is missing. I, what's the point in doing them if they're just basically saying, I'm going to beat you tonight and put my catchphrase here? It doesn't feel like they're fired up. It doesn't really grab me. It doesn't feel like those yeah. wrestlers are like, fuck, I want to fucking do yeah. it. Yeah. So why do it? I've got a way they to fix it. They do it to do it because it's a bit of nostalgia porn. I have a way to fix it without any chemical it enhancement. Make them look excited. <laughs> yeah. Or you can still do it as soon as they get in the building. You go, right, Sige, I want you to hype your match up with uh, Hamlet. But before you do, actually, you're going to say something along the lines of, uh, you know, I'm Ricky Stark, I only deal, deal in absolutes because that's your thing. You might think you belong in the squared circle just because you've got a square head. But <laughs> yes. But believe me, brother, you don't, and I'm going to kick your ass. Okay, right, great. So that's what you're going to say, right? Okay. Before you do it, we're just going to get Juice Robinson to do it. Yeah. Matches energy. Yes. It's just weird. Like, I just feel like they, they are there to go, oh, God, he's going to win that match, and I'm fired up. They're just. They're the most flat line readings mm-hmm. I've ever heard. Yeah. Put some more care and attention into a thing rather than just doing it because it was cool when the Fed did it in the 80s. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. It's very much fans growing up doing it. Bit of life. Yeah. I, think I get no life from this. I do get life from... Elton John does a better job of cutting a wrestling promo than these guys. And they're great promos as well. I love the meme recently of when he walked out of Glasgow and it's like... My nan walking up to me to give me a fiver before I go home again. He's just, here I come. Love to see him walking out on that stage. Um, but yes, CM Punk's there at ringside. He's cutting a promo as well. 
um, talking about how happy he is to be alive. He's got this big match against Joe. Talks about the history. This is heart stampede country, he says. It's the biggest match of my career. It feels almost like the final, but it's not, which is good. I'm glad he didn't just sort of go, this is, this is basically the final, because he's like, I'm not dismissing Stocks or Hobbs. Tonight, though, history's going to be made. Time's going to stand still. It's been 18 years since he stood in the ring with Samoa Joe. Uh, he's got scars because of him. He's missing teeth because of him. Still, you know, handsome. But despite all that, um, he only wants to hear one name chatted here tonight, and that is Owen Hart. Uh, and he wanders around um, to the the trophy, as he's saying about, if it wasn't for Owen Hart, this locker room would be empty. CM Punk wouldn't be here. None of the semi-finalists would be here if it wasn't for Owen Hart. None of the half the performers wouldn't be there. Um, he doesn't. He isn't superstitious. He'll walk under ladders, and he's going to touch the trophy because he's going to earn it. He can't promise a victory. He's never beaten Samoa Joe, but he can promise he's going to pour his heart out until there's nothing left to give as for us and more importantly for Owen this is good not great mm. uh, as a punk promo I, again I don't want to cast aspersions on the human being as the man CM Punk himself pointed out on an Instagram story I think <sighs> you don't know me you don't know anyone else involved so I don't know I'm the nicest guy maybe it is him against the world and the world's wrong I, I don't know and I do not you know I just don't know from the vibe I get from my subjective experience, <laughs> unless he's being a caustic prick, I don't believe a word he's saying. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, when he's dialed in, he clearly wants to play heel. I can infer that vibe, and maybe that's wrong of me to do so. He's got a glint in his eye. The Kingston promo is what you think of. Yeah. The, the, the first collision promo is what yeah. I think of. Yeah. When he's got that mischievous caustic, I'm going to set a Molotov cocktail to this company or to this performer <laughs> yes. or whatever, that's when I believe him when he's doing this babyface raw raw stuff. He's still great. The delivery's still great, but it's just a bit off for mm. me. Just a bit off. Um, yeah, I didn't quite get the the reaction I was hoping for, and I don't know whether that was, you know, obviously the not not reduced numbers in attendance, especially because I'd just gone from watching SmackDown in MSG. Which, low. Let's just call it what it is. Yeah. Um, but we get a brilliant video package uh, with all the ROH stuff, which is just... And I mean... No, that's not it. <laughs> Second. Oh, my God. Obviously, um, Joe says, there's never been a day in your life when you were better than me. Uh, and, yeah, Punk reiterates he's going to beat Joe for the first time. But before all that, we have the other semi-final to take care of, the Battle of Team Taz, Powerhouse Hobbs versus Ricky Starks. Oh, sorry. Powerhouse Hobbs, oh, QTV, uh, versus Ricky Starks. But... Every cloud. Every cloud. So, obviously, Hobbs has the power advantage with Ricky Starks, but Starks is using his speed and quickness and abilities to outmaneuver him. Sends him to the floor with a clothesline. Hobbs gets back in and just like, right, enough of that. Big lariat to lay out Starks. Um, Marshall gets involved, choking Starks whilst Hobbs takes the ref. Uh, Starks fights out the corner but runs into a back elbow from Hobbs. Um, he hits him with a delayed vertical suplex, and we go to picture in picture. When we come back, Hobbs has been yeah, targeting uh, the, well, the back, uh, just re really reducing Ricky Starks' ability to get away from him, basically. He's got him in a bear hug. Um, Starks' elbow's free, uh, but Hobbs cuts off the Rochambeau by uh, sending Starks into the corner and just nailing him with lariats again. Uh, he looks like he's going to do some ridiculous off the shoulders move from the top rope, but Starks gets out of it and power bombs powerhouse Hobbs for a near fall. Um, there's a flub with the DDT tornado DDT off the ropes sort of thing, yeah, which wasn't great. But Starks set up for the spear, but as he hits the ropes, QT Marshall grabs his leg. Referee obviously gets involved at that point. Um, in the monk all this powerhouse Hobbs has hit Ricky Starks with a spine buster. He's got the visual pinfall effectively, but. And I think it was Ian Ruckabonny did a great job on commentary here saying... Kevin Kelly. Kevin Kelly, sorry, what am I talking about? Kevin Kelly on commentary uh, has a, a great bit where he's like, QT's got no authority. So even when he's telling the referee, just stop concentrating on me and concentrate on the match. They're just like, can you just piss off, please? Um, so yeah, he's got the match one, but the ref doesn't see it. Um, and Hobbs gets into it with, with QT, says, get down. Starks bonks them together. Spear, one, two, three... Um, and uh, Powerhouse Hobbs loses against Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks advances through to the final. 
Um, he goes off and celebrates whilst Marshall tries to plead his case to Powerhouse Hobbs. He shoves him down. Aaron Solo gets in there to try and break it all up. He eats a spine buster for his troubles. And just as it looks like Hobbs is going to snap QT Marshall in half, in comes Harley Cameron to get in the way. So Hobbs just storms off. But finally, Michael Sidgwick, finally, we could be seeing the end of QTV. Yeah, it's a cheat code. It's one of those where it's like, or oh, at least he's going to do that. In my head, I'm thinking, why put him with QTV in the first place? Yep. But at least, you know, it's a silver lining that it's going to end very, very quickly. Then he can launch the Hobbs babyface um, push. And hopefully that's the role that will propel him to stardom, because I don't think this match did. It was good, not great. Crowd were into it. But when you've got two guys who are, you know, projected to be superstars in this promotion who have shown glimpses of being very, very special indeed. This match, yet again, between these two was just good. Yeah. Like, it didn't, on an emotional level, on an action level, on a, like, a, a star aura level presence, like, I just got a good match out of this and very little else. It was solidly put together. The flub was the flub. It doesn't really matter that much. It was, whenever you do something really convoluted by the ropes, it kind of looks silly. But, you know, they got the crowd back for the finish. And you just, you see a match like this with these two, and when you think right at the peak of Team Taz, I think everyone just wanted them trapped up. Yeah. People were loving Team Taz in 2022. So if you were told, right, okay, you're not going to get that, but they are going to split and they're going to have a program, you would have the wildest expectations imaginable for that program because in 2022, you had an in-house pro prospect like Hobbs, someone who, frankly, had been a bit of a journeyman in stocks, unfancied by a, by a, a, a wrestling scene in the U.S. with no taste. <laughs> yes. Ricky Starks didn't have that kick pad, work rate, appeal, PWG style, so therefore he was just completely under the radar. They, together as Team Taz, managed to get so over in a company with Punk, Bucks, Danielson, yeah. Page, Marks, it was a massive achievement. Their feud has never hit the heights that you'd have expected, and I don't think this match did either. I'll tell you what as well. like If you're going to do a visual pin, and yes, you're trying to uh, strike the balance here of Starks goes over, Hobbs gets over as the guy you want to be a babyface. I thought there was a lot of ideas that they attempted in this match. For me, that visual pin on a babyface went on far too long. Like, far yes. too long. It's one of those where how much will it matter? Because I think Punk Starks will deliver big, and I'll tell you why hopefully later this week. Um, but I it just it was weird to see the baby face just take that visual pin for so long. It was just the dissonance between mm. the fact that it's a baby face doing on the receiving end of something that a baby face usually gets the shine from. I thought that was just a bit weird and a bit ill-advised, to be honest. I was not blown away by this. Mm. I thought it was good, but I would expect at this stage of their careers... Um, for these two with a proper profile over the last few weeks to blow me away, and I was not blown away. Uh, Miro's ready to fight anyone. No one's going to force him off his path. No one can hurt the man who's got nothing left to covet. God, wives, titles. He's going to walk the righteous path and be, be what his God was not. There's a battle coming, one we'd all been waiting for. I love Miro. Yeah, no, he looks, uh, again, what a character, what a promo. He's genuinely engaging me in what he does next. And he's just got this wonderful turn of phrase. He's got this wonderful presence about him. Uh, yeah, uh, I like the House of Black now. But later on, I just thought, right, here's Malachi Black to talk some bollocks about a mask. Whereas Miro, I'm like, yep, God, <laughs> titles, hot wives. Fully on board with Fully all this. Fully on board. Uh, Malachi's promo was not good, but again, we'll get into that. Um, you and I discussed something a little earlier in the office that uh, we got very, we went had the same experience yeah, watching yeah, the show. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I think it must, yeah, it must have been with uh, Starks and Hobbs is going on. Yeah, so as Starks and Hobbs is going on, they flash up in the in the bottom left-hand corner what's coming next. Yeah, Julia Hart in action. So yeah, they say, Julia Hart in action. And I honestly, because I had not been on Twitter nope. before waking up UK time at five. Um, I Obviously after the show had aired in the US. So I did not have a clue that Willow Nightingale had suffered an injury and no. couldn't perform until next Wednesday. So my immediate reaction, you had the same one, <laughs> Same right, thing, yeah. They're putting two women's matches on collision. This is great. Yes. What isn't great <laughs> is that there are not, in fact, two women's matches on collision. 
they've replaced the highly anticipated match between what the hardcore fandom in AEW receives as the best heel and the best babyface in mm -hmm. the converse across ROH and AEW in Athena and Nightingale. And they've replaced it with a, a, a what, a two-minute women's squash yeah. match? Yeah. I'm cynical, so take this with that in mind. If there was a really highly anticipated men's match in AEW, right, and they couldn't for whatever reason do it, you know that Tony Khan wouldn't put a squash match in lieu of it no. in place. He would want to over-deliver and say, look, I understand you're gutted about this. Here's something awesome. Like, I'm trying to think of an example of a match that got Kenny Omega versus Pac instead of Kenny Omega versus John Moxley. Yes. It's an example. There's Perfect. probably way more where, oh, you didn't get this, but you got this. Does he even know that people were really into the idea of Athena versus Willow? Or did he just think, oh, no one cares about that. I can just put a women's squash match there. Like, does he even know what he has with both of these performers? Probably not, considering Athena's on ROH. Yeah. Well, yeah, this is where it was clarified that Willow's uh, suffered an injury in her strong title loss in Japan. Therefore, she's not medically cleared. Before she can go any further, Athena comes in and accuses her of faking the injury to avoid another loss. Um, so Nightingale said, well, I, I, want, I still want the match. They're going to have the match on Rampage uh, this week. Um, and she wants a Ring of Honor women's title shot once she wins. And uh, Athena says, if you make it to Rampage and beat me, maybe I'll think about it. <laughs> I was just annoyed by this. I was annoyed at this point. I put a competitive match on in its place. Yeah. Well, before we get to Julie Hart and uh, Bambi Hall, there was a great video package hyping up Blood and Guts. Um, and the, the mystery fifth man for each team. I think at least one of which we can probably guess. Yes. but I think, Jer I think Jericho's uh, politics himself. <laughs> I think so too. He was great. Oh, no, he wasn't. Is he? Uh, Omega's fighting Vikingo this week, isn't he? In uh, AAA oh, or somewhere. Yeah, I think so. Jesus Christ. So Careful, Kenneth. Please. <laughs> Please. Uh, then we, we got... the Walker business for Blood and Guts ticket-wise, by no. the way. I'm fairly certain that since the announcement of that match, they've done four-figure sales. Okay. Kenny Omega in a Blood and Guts match is a draw. Yes. And Jericho, has Jericho been in every Blood and Guts match so far? Unfortunately, yes. Uh, Julia Hart versus Bambi Hall. Uh, Bambi Hall's bigger than Julia Hart, so she uses that to, to take her down early on. But Julia Hart trips her, clubbers in the back of the head, uh, chop block, rings a satin sort of style submission, gets the victory. I like a body language in the submission. I love a drop down that works. Yes. It's like a trip. My God. They had, that's two weeks in a row, isn't it? Because didn't Starks do that the yeah. other week against... Oh, Juice do that against Starks or something. Yeah, Soraya's got a good one as well. I was just annoyed that this match existed, which is a shame because, I mean, it's only a freaking squash. Um, but this is, again, as well, right? I'm not a goldfish. I hate that people believe that they... I hate when people pretend that they need stuff explaining to them. Like, how demeaning is that? Making yourself look like an idiot to bury a company that doesn't spoon-feed you every single mm -hmm. story detail. Like, why would you do that? I think it's pathetic. It was a great bit on, I forgot to mention this, on a SmackDown review. Uh, they were talking during the uh, Grayson Bloody Waller Edge match, because Grayson obviously had injured ribs, and they went, uh, injured ribs there, which is going to be great for Edge, for his finisher, the spear. <laughs> how many years you have to watch Edge to know that's his finish? Jesus Christ. Uh, that's a fed for you. So I hate it when people... Do this. That said, I had forgotten Julia Hart really existed mm. as a wrestler. <laughs> and again, it's how long was that? How long ago was that Anna J match, which is our last televised match? Follow that. You can't just do this. <laughs> as a character, it's ineffective to watch someone just win, lose, then come back after what well, you're going to find out specifically how many weeks ago it was. Um, and then they just turn up after four weeks, and then you've got no reason to believe that they'll turn up next week, so you just kind of drift and don't invest. Two months ago, 10th of May. Is that Julia Hart's last match on telly? On, yeah, on, on cage match. The Dynamite No Holds Barred match with you know, Anna J. What do they expect? Like, what do they expect? With how much, even that match was an over delivery that people liked. Mm -hmm. Even then, people aren't going to be like, oh, God, where's Julia Hart? 
after two months, I'm really missing Julia Hart. Like, it's just, we can't do this. It's not effective at all. It takes the rotating cast policy and takes the absolute piss with it. Um, so when she had the squash match, I thought, right, okay, she's won. She looked dominant in the process. The idea, ostensibly, was to create the idea that, um, you know, she's not been messed with and she's on the rise and she can kill people in under two minutes. Cool, I'll put her in a title match. I'll put her in a storyline where she can sort of actually sort of do something on the back of this. I was just cross-watching this. Like two, hours and, uh, two hours, two minutes and 20 seconds. If she's that dominant, then she should be getting more opportunities in there. Think of it like a, a fictional thing, like a character in a sporting emulation. If she's that dominant, you, you need to give it to the competitive, uh, the established competitors to see what she can really do. I'll see you in a month and a half. Um, but now the uh, women's match is out of the way. It's to the important stuff, the men, um, because Malachi Black is in a spooky room uh, talking about Andrade's mask. Uh, he's holding onto his mask like a child holding onto a teddy bear. Um, he didn't. Uh, Malachi says, "I didn't become who I am until uh, I put on the mask or lost them." Well, either or. And uh, he wants to Andrade to show the world how truly great he is. And then we cut to Lexi Nero's there with Andrade El Idolo. Um, he says he's not a coward like uh, Black. The masks represent himself, his family, his culture, his people. When the mask is on, it's time for business. When he takes it off, it's time to fight. I can't imagine a single AEW fan, unless you're like, I everyone's got fans, right? There will be people who love Malachi Black. You probably pour over every single word. I'm talking about like 100 Mm -hmm. it'll be able to tell you exactly what he said. Any average AEW fan, you could go up to, like, I'm talking minutes after you've heard the promo. Uh, what did Malachi say? He has a comprehension test. Uh, I don't know. He talks bollocks too quickly. Like, there's no poise, there's no composure. And for his character, realistically, there should be. Mm. He should be this menacing guy who can corrupt you or whatever he wants to do. And he talks too fast and he talks bollocks. So it, it's nowhere near the same because obviously he's doing great stuff in the ring. Um, but there's a there's a real danger. He's walking that tightrope to become Bray Wyatt, not not to cross the tightrope. As in, if he falls, he becomes Bray Wyatt. In terms of when we used to sit here, and I was like, he said some bollocks, and he's basically targeting this wrestler next. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he's. I think he needs to be more composed. Mm. Slow it down. Stop thinking it's this clever thing. I just don't understand what he's talking about half the time. I get the gist. Yes. I get the gist of the story. The story is Malachi Black does not believe in the power of the mask and that Andrade El Idolo does and wishes to honor it. I get the general gist. I don't feel anything for it. No. I don't buy it. Mm. I don't think it's this amazing story that they are articulating. I just talks too fast. I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help? a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. 
Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. <laughs> right, let's get to this uh, tag title eliminator match. Uh, off the gate, off the bat. Liked it so much. And I'm genuinely thinking it was an excellent match. Let's go into it now. Yeah, I, I, I thought they maybe tipped the hand a little bit by saying, if the Bing Bing Ging don't win this, they'll never get another title. Right. Shot. I'm glad you bring this up. Is that what the Eliminator's been all along? I've never heard Because when that. he said that, if they've said it, they've not emphasized this enough. No. It makes sense now that it's called an Eliminator. Is that what it's meant the whole time? Well... Well, I suppose he didn't lose, did he, Adam Cole? He just didn't win either. Otherwise, yeah. But I've never... Maybe it's just you and I who haven't picked up on it, but... I've seen a few people on Twitter. Maybe it's just me and those few people on Twitter and you. But my God, I'd be way more into it stakes-wise if that was, in fact, the case. Yeah. Um, but I was, uh, I was a little bit confused by this match. We'll, we'll circle back to it at the end. Um, basically... Um, Bullet Club Gold, Bing Bing Ging, whatever you want to call them, uh, Jay White and Juice Robinson, uh, wrestled as the Revival quite early on here, just using all of FTR's old tricks against them. That was the, kind of the story of the match. Um, everything breaks down early on. We get a four-way brawl with uh, a pair of German suplexes from FTR to take us to a break. Uh, when we come back, they are isolating Cash Wheeler. He gets dropped stomach first. Um to allow the Bing Bing Ging to take over, and they work over his midsection. He's desperate to try and make make the corner, um, but he kept getting kept getting dragged back in, or Dax kept getting distracted on the apron. Um, at one point, Jay White walks in, and before he puts the mooter lock on uh, Cash Wheeler, just spits at Dax Harwood. <laughs> this brings Harwood in uh, to break it all up, and uh, on commentary, they're like, "Ah, oh, should just be a DQ. We should just give him the win there if we're going to do this." Yeah. Um, I thought Nigel McGuinness was great on it. It's so I love. I don't, a, I don't like the commentary. On I like show. a good biased. You know, maybe I'm just. I had a, a lot of it on what would have been Sunday night when I was watching these because we had. You know, uh, you got it on SmackDown. You got it on on uh, on Collision. Just really biased British commentators. I think at one point Nigel went. Well, you know, I know this is an eliminator, but I think um, Political Gold have done enough here to probably earn a title shot, regardless of the result. <laughs> Well, it's not how it works, Nigel. But thanks. Yeah, he's, he's, I find Nigel McGuinness quite frankly weird. I like him. He's got he's got that git about him. Let's yeah, say. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so yeah, Harwood uh, gets involved, even though he's not the legal man, and for his troubles, Jay White hoys him into the barricades. Um, that allows Cash Wheeler some time to fight back, and he gets a small package on Jay White. But Juice Robinson's taken the referee, and this is where you got the almost the visual pinfall. Um, Jay White annoyed at this, suplexes uh, Cash Wheeler into the corner turnbuckle and onto his head and neck, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thought you might like that. Um, yeah, again, Cash Wheeler tries to make the tag. This time, Harwood's busy fighting off Juice Robinson, so there's no tag. Harwood gets knocked off the apron. Um, White low bridges uh, Wheeler to the floor so we go to another break. When we come back, Wheeler finally gets out of a corner, gets out of the way of a corner charge and gets Dax Harwood in, who runs wild. Um, he uh, gets a small package. It's a nice brain buster for a near fall on Jay White. Um, goes up top. He hits the powerplex um, for a nice another good near fall. They set up do FTR for the spike pile driver, but uh, Jay White sends Harwood to the floor. Robinson hits Wheeler with the left hand of God and sets up the Blade Runner. FTR block it. Robinson breaks up the shatter machine. FTR hit the spike pile driver for a fantastic near fall that Juice Robinson manages to break up. Um, there's a fight forever chant. I don't know if that was the game or I assume the match. Uh, a lot of this is awesome chants too. Uh, Harwood hits that rebound powerbomb off his on Jay White for a two count. Uh, and he hit a sliding uppercut for another near fall. Cash Wheeler takes out Juice Robinson, but White hits Wheeler with a Blade Runner. Harwood and White go back and forth. Uh, Juice Robinson does a blind tag. Harwood rolls up White, doesn't realize Robinson's the legal man. He hits that face buster or whatever it is of his for the one, two, three. Bullet Club Gold are number one contenders. So I tweeted after the show, the dissonance between FTR mocking star ratings is a bit and proceeding to work acclaim bait matches got a bit much for me again on collision, but it was 95% fantastic. Yes. Right. 
but 95% fantastic. I thought they did an exceptional job, and I'm going to get into why I think they did so imminently. And a few people reply to that tweet saying, I want you to expand on that. Like, what do you mean? How can you tell that people have missed the peak? Or how can you tell when people are too desperate to put on a match? Or isn't that the purpose of putting mm. on a match, right? Yeah, because I was confused. Dax Howard's tweeting about they don't chase stars, and then... And they don't like Dave Meltzer, and they don't mm. believe in star ratings, and then they do a checklist. So when people... Genuinely, like, a good question. I'm glad they asked, because I do look... I do I have looked forward to getting mm. into this debate on this podcast. So, right, I'm going to... This will be long-winded. I apologize in advance. And it's probably going to be very pedantic as well. Every wrestler wants to put on a good match, right? It's how you conceal that for me. And if it gets too desperate, then I just get alienated. Like, I don't think a half-hour match with loads of kickouts is automatically great. I think it's the story you tell, the story that's coming next. Like we're getting two out of three falls, and I've seen so much already. Mm. And um, and it's the context of the characters. And quite frankly, it's also about how wrestlers navigate their public personas online and when they tell you things and how they're... Characters can betray that in the moment. For me, right? And what was annoying is that this was so good for so long and yeah. they just missed the peak and started getting excessive with it. What I mean by acclaim bait and how you can tell, or how, at least how I can tell, how I feel when it's getting a little bit too desperate, self-conscious is the word, Yes, is when I know it's just a feeling and the, I'm going to use two examples here, right? Two very different wrestlers and I love them both. Kenny Omega and CM Punk, right? Kenny Omega does kind of chase this. It's part of his persona, the best bout machine, the guy who said that, I want you to feel in my matches that, oh my God, get a gurney, get a f***ing airlift. <laughs> this guy is dead. How can he kick out? Um, he, Kenny Omega, never misses the peak. I don't think, he does a lot of maximalist work where I don't think he, and this is a guy who's got a finisher that doesn't get kicked out of, so he cannot be tarred with that brush of excess and kickouts for the sake of it. But he's just got the rhythm of these matches so perfect where even though he does clearly strive to do a certain kind of acclaimed match, I think, it, one, it makes perfect sense in the context of his character, which plays with this sort of performance on a meta level, yeah. and that's how his program with Will Ospreay was premised. I've never got the feeling watching a mega match. Maybe 2017 in ROH a little bit with Cody, but beyond that, I just think he nails it. He measures when the peak is just to utter perfection, even though he does go for the kickouts and the big moves and all the rest of it. CM Punk, right, to his immense credit, I never get the impression from his work that he's doing literally anything to chase a star rating from Dave Meltzer or critics of that ilk or, you know, to get this is awesome chance. Yeah. I don't think CM Punk does a single thing to get not just a star rating, but a this is awesome chant. I don't think the thought enters his mind once. He is so, because he knows how good he is, he is so assured when he's laying out his matches that he doesn't really do that many false finishes and near falls and kickouts. Um, certainly not in AEW. I think the guiltiest he's been of this was against Lesnar maybe in, in SummerSlam 2013. When he crafts his matches and I watch them, I don't think he's wanting those chants. I don't think he likes those chants. I think he just wants an ultimate organic crowd reaction where they're so lost in it that they don't want fight forever or this is awesome chance. He doesn't pattern his matches in that kind of way. With Dax Harwood, I think he kind of wants his cake and eating it too. Mm. And what's annoying is that he isn't one of these really sort of mechanical, cynical wrestlers. And I don't want to name any names, but you might have opinions of of your own of who, ma who maps these matches out. But with Dax Howard, he's so good at little things and creating emotion and creating the idea that he really wants to fight people in there and just create these really dramatic twists and turns, like the bit where Jay White is doing that sort of motor lock and he's just spat at him. And Dax gets in the ring, just slaps his belly. It's like you, it felt in that moment like them two hate each other. It was great, Dax Harwood, at the lockup, conveying in the lockup that he hates his opponent. He's so good at establishing a tone. And then, 
for whatever reason, and I think the uh, the second Briscoe's match was a glaring example of this. He just gets this NXT super super kick out kick out kick out where it just gets done to death and he misses the peak. And I just think it's quite confusing. I from the character perspective, what do you actually want? Do you want to take those fans on that journey, on that emotional journey? Do understated drama, like real moments where it feels like you hate that guy you're in the ring with and you cannot wait to get in there, get the hot tag, which he's very disciplined with, yeah. and just beat them up and start kicking ass. Like when Dax Harwood started kicking ass in this match, after Cash Wheeler, by the way, did a phenomenal job on the yeah. cell, absolutely incredible, and Jay White was magnificent, and, Jay, and all four guys were great in this match. And then it just felt like two or three self-conscious minutes tacked on at the end, yeah. Where I don't know if it's just my subjective feeling. I read similar sentiments online. I'm not saying I'm the voice of anyone. I'm just saying I'm probably not the only pedantic person watching this. Just for like two or three tacked on minutes where it's like, I don't believe that this is happening or you've missed the peak. It was just that feeling of, oh, you could have ended it there. Just two self conscious minutes. And I just don't know what kind of wrestler Dax Howard really wants to be because he always says, I'll start it. It's just one guy's opinion and all the rest of it. But you do kind of build your matches <laughs> to get that. And he talks a lot, and FTR have talked a lot, and they've established their act as we're the old school guys in the new school environment. And we are we want to bring this back. We want to hold on to the tag rope. We want to do less high spots. We want to create great sort of um, a purer strain of drama that doesn't rely on excess and fake high spots or whatever. But then they do the spot in most of their big matches where they hold each other's hands to do the, to not tap out, driven from the DIY thing. And they are very elaborate staged matches. So he does have this modern sensibility yeah. and this old school sensibility. And I don't think at all times, I think FTR are one of the best tag teams of all time. This is, I'm being pedantic as all hell because I hold them to the highest standard as a wrestling act. I just think there's a, pun intended, because I'm a hack, collision between his two philosophies. Mm. And it's annoying because he's so, so great. Like CM Punk level, Bret Hart level great. If I'm not fighting for a chant, I'm not so transparent in the way I'm trying to manipulate this audience into doing a chant here. And yet he has this self-conscious thing of the two minutes at the end at certain matches where it just, oh, it's just like you've missed the peak here. Yeah. You've missed the peak. And one more point. Um, I'm basically talking myself into thinking this is merely four and a quarter stars. I want to reiterate the point that this was an excellent match yeah. that I just felt had a bit of a self-conscious last two minutes. And what gets me as well with Harwood is that he talks a lot about back in my day, we would sort this out like men. Like you didn't wrestle in Memphis or anything like yes. that. But he does espouse this old school mentality and he was you know, raised on Bret Hart and all the rest of it. Why couldn't he have sensed with Mr. Peak, bring it home straight away. Yeah, because I got it. I was the same as you. Yeah. There's a pinfall in there. I think Dax went for it. And he, he didn't do a shocked kick-out face. That's not fair. But there was a close-up of his face. And I remember all the other, you know, not all the other kick-outs, but certainly the the one where Juice comes in at the last second to break it up. Um, I was like, that's it now. Take it home, boys. Take it home. And then there was a bit, he got, that, got, one of the, got another near fall with that, with, what was it? I can't remember. Oh, it was after the... It might have been the rebound powerbomb, you know? Yeah, it that was, was it for me. It was after the spike power drive because I was like, oh, that's it then. Yeah. And Robinson dives in last second. Rebound powerbomb, and then there was another one after a sliding uppercut. Both of them, I thought, yeah, the crowd's not, not bought on those. Yeah. I think the crowd knew when the peak was. I think a lot of people realized online from the reaction I've seen... There was a meme going around where four different people went, oh, that was great, just a bit long. And it was like, bang, bang, in yeah. a row. They missed the peak in this match. And I just think... But like we say, four and a quarter. Hey, no, so. I'm, you know, I'm putting the match over. Like, Cash Wheeler on the cell was fantastic. There was a cutoff on the apron that even by FTR standards was just unreal. It's just too self-conscious. Minutes tacked on at the end. And I just thought, rather than just praise this match to the hilt, I thought it was an interesting discussion to be had about yeah. character and why certain wrestlers shouldn't be going for that. And if they are as old school as they say, like the whole point is you're meant to be able, if you're this old school worker and you're not carefully crafting this match in advance, regardless of what the mood in the arena is, right? You're meant to be able to ebb and flow with it and to sense the temperature and then 
rework the match accordingly. Like, I just think that's a bit of bluster. Mm. Like, the peak had been gone. Take it home, take it home, take it home. We're yeah. losing them here. Then set two minutes of finisher kickouts to make this sort of synthetic epic happen. It was already epic on its own terms. Yeah. Um, particularly we, when we're getting a two out of three falls match. Yes. Next. Yeah, we'll talk about that, that now. That match as will well. be great. That match will be great, but I hope that it'll be a little bit less excessive. I can't think of anyone I'd want to shake hands with less than that smarmy twat, Jay White. Yeah. And he's baited him into Jay White was absolutely fantastic in this match. He does the little things so unbelievably well. Like, I think this is even during the bit where I'm like, come on, lads, take it home. It's been 28 minutes. Um, when he did a drop kick to the shins. Yes. Like, oh, that's incredible. That's when they did the chop exchange, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. It's like you cannot defend against that. It's just an, a master heel cut off merchant. Oh, God. I hope they realize the peak for this two out of three falls match because that's got tag team match. If it doesn't get in its own way, that's got tag team match of the year written all over it. Yeah. We'll talk about it more, of course, on our preview next, well, this Friday, as well as Bell Built, <laughs> where uh, Sean Spears yeah. is. Uh, <laughs> Fighting for the TNT title. Who's the champion? Who knows? Well, it's Luchasaurus. Yeah. Uh, I, it, I, it's Christian's thinking it's his because it's Christian. Not to do the Todd Grisham. It's Christian. It's it's Christian. <laughs> uh, Scorpio Sky's back. Jesus Christ, that's some segue, isn't it? He returned uh, in action against Action Andretti, um, who held his own. Um, uh, well, apart from the bit where he went for a duck down for a back body drop and Sky just double stomped on his back to take it to a break. That was good. Uh, when we come back, Andretti dives to the floor. Um, Sky managed to get out of the way of that springboard 450, but uh, Andretti catches him with a Spanish fly for a near fall. Uh, he hits a shotgun drop kick, does Andretti, um, but the split leg and moonsault lands on Scorpio Sky's knees. Um, there's a roll up in there to uh, get out of the TKO, but uh, Sky kicks out. TKO, one, two, three, a nice show of respect afterwards. What was this? This was weird, because I'm I glad to see Scorpio Sky back, obviously. He's got a decent legacy within AEW, let's not forget. But I was like, what a weird spot to be like. Here's Scorpio Sky, he's back, but also calm down after that tag match and get ready for the big main event. This is just all kinds of weird, all kinds of weird. So I think when the graphic popped up, there's a lot of people who thought, right, okay, I don't really get what I want out of my wrestling enough on Dynamite. I like how there are, there's a more, I don't know, grounded, sort of deliberate, more elegant pacing, if you like, to Collision. It feels a bit more mature. Yes. Feels a little bit more stripped back. Feels a little bit more, I don't know, just, I hate using the word old school because it's such a weird, like, nebulous catch-all. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's yeah, It's not yeah. as frantic. It's not as energetic. There's a certain style threaded throughout the matches where you either get big hoss lads or people who can build and build and do more restrained, I guess. Understated wrestling. Mm. So when this graphic dropped, I think a lot of people were like, that's a dynamite match. Yeah. And I think it is important to have a collision feeling match on collision and a dynamite feeling match on dynamite. Otherwise, why have five friggin' hours of television? <sighs> so this felt out of place to begin with and it wasn't even that exciting. So it Appeals to people who love that element of AEW. People want, and I love that element of AEW, but I want Collision to be different. Again, otherwise, why am I dedicating two yes. more hours to yes. it? So it felt like a dynamite match graphic. And I'm not trying to get into a culture war. These are deliberate moves they are making to differentiate the show. So it felt like a dynamite match graphic. And it was worked with a collision pace. And Action Andretti seemed to get all of it. I don't know if this is, I'll let this play out right. But I don't know if this is a slow burn storyline of Scorpio Skies, full of bluster, playing babyface, coming back to show the world what he can do. Oh, hang on, I've been taken to my limit by Action Andretti. Then maybe next week he'll get taken to his limit and he might even lose. And it's like, oh, it's all gone wrong for Sky. And then he turns heel or what? Or if this was just AEW, they like to give their wrestlers who lose something in defeat. I think they gave Action Andretti way too much if the idea was to make Scorpio Sky yeah. look like the better bigger star, better wrestler, whatever. And ultimately, I just don't think Scorpio Sky's him. I would, you can't really do it because Kazarian's not in there anymore and Daniels has got a drastically reduced schedule. Um, so you can't really reform SCU. Ethan Page? 
Ugh, I, don't, I don't think men of the year were that good outside of the Sting and Derby match, to be honest. I don't know what you do with Scorpio Sky. All I know is that he's aggressively not him as a Felt singles yet. main event. He just isn't. It's, I feel like I'm being cruel, but did anyone realistically watch this match? He's getting a push as well, yeah. so it's warranted, this criticism. Did anyone watch it and think, can't wait to see what he does next week? He is just, show me he's got it. Did anyone? Mm-hmm. I certainly didn't. Did you? No, I was waiting for some sort of turn at the end, whether it be Andre pissed off dropping him or Scorpio Sky going, actually, I'm going to kick his ass a little bit more for getting too much in that match. And then it was just yeah. a show of respect. And I just thought, oh, that's nothing. It, I, I was, well, I would have gone further. I said it was, I thought it was like a dynamite match graphic wrestled like it was on Rampage. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was just, it was neither now nor something. Mm. It wasn't something that the people who liked that style were going to go in for. And people who really like that style get enough of it on Dynamite and they want a change of pace. Like the literal change of pace that's on Collision. It's weird though. Just in general, like you had Spears. He's good at what he does in a sort of a tertiary role. And he's obviously very good in the ring if you don't want to get blown away. Exact description is sort of embodied by um, Scorpio Sky as well. So you've got, outside of the punk stuff, it feels like a proving ground to a, to determine who really is him. Is Ricky Starks really him? Mm-hmm. Is Powerhouse? And I hate to use that phrase because I'm 37 years old. <laughs> no, but I know you. But right, has he got it? I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm him anymore. Have they got it? That's what this is. Collision, right, okay. There are too many bodies on Dynamite, so it's really difficult to determine who, with the correct allocation of TV time and a real push that's sustainable, who can determine whether they have eight, whether they can be a major star. So that seems to be like the the subtext of what Collision is, and that's what it's there for, to determine who we can go with. Because Hangman Page, there was doubts over him. Yeah. Um, the Pillars, outside of MGF, there's doubts over their ability to carry the show. And my God, after watching Danielson and Omega and Punk over the past two or three years... The time's now to start making these guys. Mm-hmm. So you've got Hobbs, has he got it? Starks, has he got it? That's already a bit dangerous because they might not have it and this will doom them. And then on top of that, you've got people who absolutely don't have it and they just <laughs> don't in Sean Spears and Scorpio Sky. What they have is valuable in the mid-card. They do not have it, and I don't think it's even harsh or ranty or inflammatory to say this kind of thing. They simply don't have it. And my God, if they did, we would have known about it by now. Why relaunch or try and like sort of reboot these guys when it is absolutely obvious to everyone, apart from Tony Khan, that they they do not have it. So do they have it? We'll find out. They don't have it. Let's try and see if they have it again. What? Like there are certain episodes of Collision that I think are going to struggle badly under this model. I I think it's way too ambitious. Especially when punk, the very volatile punk, the increasingly injury-prone punk, is the guy who they need to make it halfway worth watching. Mm. Well, main event time was CM Punk versus Samoa Joe for replacing the final to face Ricky Starks for the Owen Hart Cup. Um, Started out very uh, cautiously by both men. Punk does not want to get chopped by Samoa Joe, but he does want to land a few of his own. Uh, And I can understand where he's coming from with that. Um, He... Puts on a headlock, headlock mm-hmm. law, of course. Um, but then Joe did his brilliant nope spot to, a, I think it was a crossbody from Punk, uh, and he, that allows him to take over, and he just you know, sees a wounded animal and chops it in the back and chops it in the chest. Uh, he kicks Punk down in the corner and nails him with those infamous punches of his. Uh, Punk gets out of the way of something, though, goes to the second rope, but Joe just chops him over the top to the floor to take us to a break. When we come back, Joe's got Punk in a chin lock. Um, Punk's trying to fire up. It's a leg larry. It's a rising knee. But Joe just snatches him into the coquina clutch. Uh, so Punk has to get out of it via a back suplex. He hits a trio of rising knees, goes up top for the elbow drop, hits it near fall, then goes and calls for the uh, go to sleep. But Joe snatches him down into a cross face, and Punk has to scrabble around to get his foot on the ropes. Um so Joe then hits him with a snap power slam for another two count. Punk tries to go up top again. Joe cuts him off, sets up for the muscle buster, but Punk fights out of it and hits a neck breaker on Samoa Joe. Again goes for the go to sleep. Um, Punk slips out of the coquina clutch after that was reversed uh, and rolls Joe up for the one, two, three out of nowhere to advance to the final. Samoa Joe can't believe it. CM Punk can't really believe it either. 
Um, there's a stare down. There's a brilliant chant for Owen Hart, which Joe acknowledges, uh, offers a handshake. Punk, unsure, but considering the you know circumstances, he accepts it. Shouldn't have done that. Joe snatches him up, puts him in the coquina clutch, yells at Punk that he was never better than him, uh, rolls to the outside to get a chair to hospitalize someone else on collision. But uh, FTR, let's say, limp down to the ring. The Certainly Cash was great. Cash Wheeler was like, yeah, Cash is, Cash is so awesome at what he does. Uh, they come down to protect their friend whilst Ricky Starks looks on to an injured punk in the ring to set up next week's, this week's final. If you've stuck with me for, how long have we been recording? 52 minutes. Right, if you've stuck with me this long, this shouldn't be too controversial. This match, much like Collision in general, right, I get the feeling that people want to like it more than they earnestly feel it okay. and love it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I had this, I don't know, like whenever I read tweets, and again, I don't follow that many people and everyone's social media activity is configured differently and it maybe sort of confirms your own biases or whatever. When I read the praise for Collision, which honestly I would give a 7.8 out of 10 to, very, very good, if not great. I wasn't blown away, but it's very, very, very good. I much prefer spending an extra hour watching wrestling on a Sunday night and reviewing this than reviewing Rampage. Yes, of course. I can't escape the idea that people want to like this a little bit more than they earnestly love it and get great sensations and feelings and get fired up and go, hell yeah, when they're watching it. You know what I mean? Yes. I just get that feeling, and I don't know why that is. I might be completely out to lunch, but I can't imagine, right, that there are people who watch CM Punk versus Joe which is a very good match with a lot of beautiful little details to love. I can't imagine anyone was truly blown away, fired up, in love with this match. I just can't see it. Mm. I don't know. Like, there was lots to love. Like, of all, like, CM Punk has done such an absolutely majestic job of building up Samoa Joe in this mini program. Like, he should book a territory, he should book a promotion when he finally hangs them up. He has got such a mind for this. He's unbelievable. Like, for CM Punk of all wrestlers, look at what he was like with Kojima, right, and the contrast here. Bear in mind, he did not belittle or bury Kojima because he sold for him in a different way because CM Punk is a pro wrestling genius, and I love talking about how much of a genius Mm -hmm. he is. But consider the way he wrestled Satoshi Kojima and Samoa Joe, both of whom he went over but put over. With Kojima... He was brash. He was the heel. He loved playing it. He was more believable than he was here, if I'm being honest. And yet, he stooged. He showed us. He backflipped over barricades at the first inkling of a chop to make it feel like Kojima's a powerhouse who can kick his ass, and he needs to wrestle really strategically to beat him. With Joe, and he did, and he was so entertaining that the match got over, and he ultimately didn't make it all about CM Punk, and Kojima got over as well. With Joe, he basically crapped them. He crapped his pants before the lockup and the opening bell. He was so tentative. He was so cagey. He didn't want to... He was almost scared to land a glove on Joe because he could have got caught out in the choke. Yeah. He had to duck. He had to sort of get a lick and then scarper away. He wrestled this as if Joe was a monster. He wrestled this as if Samoa Joe, who, let's face it, had that seminal Ring of Honor run, like one of the best runs any wrestler's had in any promotion ever, right? He had a lot of years where he wasn't that same guy, like a lot, like Simpsons trajectory almost, where he was not Joe for a lot longer than he was Joe. Yes. In CM Punk's genius hands... He was Joe, because CM Punk's brilliant. At the same time, I don't think... This was obviously not on the level of their classics. It just wasn't. They didn't have the chance to do it. Maybe they know deep down they can't work that kind of match anymore. So they instead sort of simplified it, reduced the length, and got a really nice, compact TV match main out, uh, TV main event out of it. Punk's strategy was great in terms of how he told the story, how he put over his opponent. There was a nice bit of physicality. Everyone loves hard way blood. It just helps enormously. Punk got like a tooth chipped or something, like that, something like that. His mouth wrist was, tape was bloody. Yeah. yeah. Like the snap on the power slam was just majestic. Good snap. Um, 
like, it was very, very good. I couldn't tell, right, what I thought of the finish. Did it feel like... <sighs> Sorry, I'm taking ages with this. I was trying to collect my thoughts because I want to be <clears throat> well-reasoned and all the rest of it and balanced. I think it was the best possible way of doing a... We're going to do another match. Yes. Because yes. they did not determine who was the better man. They didn't. They found a way to advance that story to get an excuse to do another match. Mm-hmm. It was the best version of that, and you had the two best characters with the best history to do that, but it was nonetheless a bit cheeky. Mm. But it was the best time to do it, and the best characters to do that finish, because Punk it basically expressed doubt that he could beat Joe. Joe was adamant, no, you can't. And he did it because he kind of has to win the tournament and he has to win because he's the top star. So they've bought themselves another match, a match that existed to build a match, but a good version of that. Maybe they realized, right, it's a semi-final for an Owen tournament. Um, half the roster doesn't want to work with you, Joe Will. How's, what's the best way we can tell that story and save something under the circumstances? Yeah. Bear in mind, we've got a crap gay in Regina. Regina? How do you pronounce Reg- it? Yeah, I don't know. 2,000 people for Joe Punk 4. It's bittersweet. Let's build it for another time. Having said that, I saw some of the praise directors. I'm chronically addicted to Twitter. <laughs> and someone said, yeah, I think they're saving that for Wembley. It's not Wembley-sized. I think that... Uh, I think that's a, it's a very beloved classic rivalry that a lot of... The people who love it love it more than anything they've ever seen. I don't think it's as big as they think... It is, and I think it was maybe reflected in the atmosphere and the in the reception. It was a weird one, but if you're ever going to do that kind of carny-ish finish, like Joe was always susceptible to a roll-up. God, I love peak ROH. You had wrestlers who had weaknesses. Like, you wouldn't put your best center forward in center defense. It was really sporting. Yeah. It was really sporting. So, yes, CM Punk had studied all those tape at the times that Samoa Joe was a bit susceptible to a roll-up. You could always get a near fall on him for that. So this is very, very intelligently crafted. I just think people and myself wanted to like it yes. more than I ultimately did, and I think that's a bit of a collision thing. And I've got all the faith in the world, by the way, that these are the best ideas with which to do a second set of two hours, and they will eventually... Like, it's kind of slow burn, really intricate... A lot of the stuff you see in the matches will pay off mm. in two or three weeks' time or in two or three matches' time. And I think they will definitely get something really special with Collision, but the nature of the show and the approach that they are taking with it means it will not blow you away until you build up enough investment for all of this to start yes. paying off. Um, I've got faith in it, but at the minute, I think that I want to love it more than I love the execution of those ideas. But as I said, those ideas exist to really pay off later down the line. I do hope we get promos from Starks and Punk on Dynamite this oh, week. Yeah, absolutely. I believe with the with the we look at Blood and Guts, that means that the elite aren't there. Obviously I mentioned I yeah. think Omega's away with uh the, the Vikingo match. So and what with what's happened with them, there's no reason for them necessarily to show up this week. I did love the facial acting as well at the end of the post match when Starks came to the ramp. As if to say, well, we've struck up a little bit of a relationship, but I'm looking forward to kind of having this match at the same yeah. time. And I beat my guy with a move rather than just a roll. I know yeah. a roll-up's a move, but you know what I mean. I, like I hit a finish. And like the idea is Punk escaped through the skin of his teeth. Hmm. Well, let us know what you think on our assessment of AEW Collision. Agree, disagree? Uh, what was your uh, opinion of that tag match? Let us know on Twitter, at WhatCultureWWE. I watched the two big matches with James, you know. Oh, go on. The tag and the main yeah. event. Because I'd talked to James about CM Punk before, right? How he's great and all the rest of it. And he was like, he said CM Punk's poor. Jenny, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not making this up. Kenny Omega mega fan, Michael Sedgwick. Air quotes. Watch a CM Punk match with his son. Yes. And his son says he thinks he's he just didn't like CM Punk. I thought CM Punk's individual performance was fantastic, but James thought he was Joe. Bear in mind, James is eight years old and he sees a guy like Samoa Joe and thinks, well, he's going to beat him up. Yes. He loved the tag match, though. He absolutely loved that tag team match and he wants to watch more wrestling with me. 
Yes. As a result. It begins. Hey, you can follow Michael Sidgwick on Twitter at... M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. As I said, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from. For daily wrestling podcasts, uh, me and Sidge reviewing SmackDown is available right now. And we'll be back later on today to look ahead to Monday Night Raw. But for now, this has been the AW Collision Review. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.